Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of FlyingFreeNow.com, and you're listening to the Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Welcome to episode 136 of the Flying Free Podcast. Today I'm going to answer a couple of listener questions, so let's just dive in. How does somebody break free when they do not have any job skills? I have two kids with special needs. I've exhausted all avenues. Two months ago, I finally decided that I was going to file for divorce. Called a lawyer. She got back to me four weeks later, and she said I need an exit plan. 18 years in this marriage to the same man I was married to before, but I had a career, I had a job, but now I have more kids, more responsibilities, two with special needs, 18 years I've been home. What does a person do job-wise? How do you break free when you are nothing? Do you just break free and hope God will take care of you? I am such a planning person. This is hard, and I'm about ready to do that. You just hope that God will take care of you. Um, what do people do in my situation where they're trapped? I feel like I have a chain around my ankle and I can't get out. Um, there's no doorways. There's no avenues. Um, it's going to be hard. Um, but staying is even harder. So, um, I'm ready to break free, but I need an exit plan. What do women like me do? Thank you for your question. Um, getting out is very difficult on many levels, and that's why many people stay. It requires you to go through a much worse and often prolonged intense pain before you actually experience any relief. And that just feels like too much logistically and emotionally for a lot of people. I, I can't really tell you how you will do it. I can only tell you that you will do it one step at a time when you decide that that's what you're going to do. That's what you want to do. Your brain is actually working against you at first. New breakthroughs in science about how the brain work, uh, how the brain works, tell us that brains like to keep things status quo. They run efficiently on a program and they're going to offer up all the reasons why you shouldn't take risks or make a decision or move forward. And that's why so many people live their lives and never change or gain momentum in their lives. Their brain is literally the boss of them. Some of the most common reasons that the brain will offer for why it's best for you to just keep things the same are, it's too overwhelming. I could never do that. I don't know how. I will die. How do I break free? I'm so confused. It's not possible. I'm a planning person. That's just who I am. The odds are against me. It's too much. I can't see how. We're all the same, you guys. We've all had these same thoughts and feelings. And we think that they are facts because that's what our brain has been believing for so long. But all they are are just thoughts. And all of our emotions are created by these thoughts. So what kind of emotions do these kinds of thoughts create? Well, usually they create emotions like despair, hopelessness, fear, anxiety, and overwhelm. And what do we do when we're feeling despairing and scared and hopeless? Most of the time we just shut down. 
So what do we need to feel in our bodies in order to be motivated to do all the things that we need to do to accomplish our goals and create a future for ourselves? We probably need to feel feelings or emotions like empowerment or excitement, maybe self-confidence. What do we need to believe or think in order to feel empowered or excited or self-confident? Because we we need to look at those thoughts because those are the thoughts that are going to actually move us forward. But your brain is not going to want you to think those new thoughts. Your primal brain wants to protect you from imminent death. That's the brain's main job. And it truly does believe that change is going to kill you. Your adult self is going to need to take over and rewire your brain if you want to create momentum and forward movement in your life. Think about everything you've ever accomplished in your life. Just brainstorm a list of things. Maybe you graduated from high school. Maybe you graduated from college. Maybe you played a sport and you won an award. Maybe you were a resident advisor in your college dormitory, or you had a role in a musical in school. Maybe you sang a solo. Maybe you led a Bible study or taught Sunday school or wrote a book or taught a class. Maybe you had children. Maybe you had a job that paid the bills. Maybe you bought your own car. Just brainstorm all of the things and then look at your list. Did you know how you were going to do all of things, all of those things before you actually did them? When you learned how to drive a car, for example, when you're a teenager, I've got a, a girl who's learning how to drive right now, actually two. Uh, do, the, do, the, do my girls know all of the hoops that they have to go through in order to get their driver's license before they ever do any of those hoops? They don't. They have to take the first step and then the next step and then the next step and then eventually they get their license. When you had a baby, if for those of you who are moms, did you know how the first year was going to work out and all the all of the things that you'd need to do to be a mom? No. You just had to learn in the day-by-day process of mothering. The fact is, we almost never know how we're going to do anything that we do in our lives until we actually stick our toe in the water and start taking those steps, one step at a time, to do it. 13 years ago, I started a soap business. You guys, I had no idea how to make cold process soap, and I had no idea, certainly no idea, how to run a business. But I just kept asking questions, like, what do I do now? And then I would Google the answer. I would find YouTube videos or articles online, and I would get the answers, and then I would do that next thing, And then that next thing would bring up the next question. Okay, so what's next? Now I need to find out how I do this. And then I would do more Googling. 10 years went by and I had this lucrative soap business that I sold, was able to sell to a third party. And I used that money to finalize my divorce and help my kids go to college. And I did that soap business all while raising nine children. Now I could not have done any of that if I had allowed my brain to be the boss of me. If my thought was, I could never do that, I would have never done that. If my thought was, well, I can't see how I could ever do that. I don't know anything about those things. Then I would have never seen how or found out how. If my thought was, oh, the odds are totally against me, I would never have been able to surmount those odds. Anything you do in your life, whether it is throwing your child a graduation party or getting a divorce or finding a job or renting your first apartment, The only way that you're going to be able to do that is if your thought is some version of, I'm going to do this. 
and I'm going to figure it out as I go as I go along. I can do this and I'm I'm going to do this for my future self. Then from that place of empowerment and excitement and vision for your future, you will begin to take those baby steps and each step will then inform the next step that you're going to take, okay? You do not have to know how it's going to happen in advance. Nobody does. I know, literally know hundreds of divorced women of faith who got divorced against all the odds and who lost a lot along the way. Now, many of them maybe don't live in a nice house anymore. They might be renting an apartment now or living in government-subsidized housing. They might be eating on food stamps for a while. I'm not going to lie and paint a pretty picture of life after divorce because it really can be a long road to recovery. And here's the other thing. There are many people who get divorced and they don't actually do the internal work that's necessary to rebuild their lives and experience that new hope and joy and peace in their lives. They stay stuck. So they might be out of their abusive relationship, but they're still stuck. And sometimes they're just as unhappy as a divorced woman as they are, you know, as they were married to an abuser. Rebuilding is a lot less about getting a job and a house and a lot more about mindset, recovering your sense of self-confidence and internal healing. The practical logistics are going to fall into place when you are focused on taking intentional care of you, who you are internally. But also consider that divorce maybe isn't the life for you. I mean, it, it doesn't have to be. You don't have to leave. You're the one, I tell people this all the time, you're the one with the skin in the game. You get to decide what you can and can't do with your life. And maybe it's a matter of timing too. Maybe you will get a divorce eventually, but now is not the time. You could wait until you're in a better position financially, or you could wait until your kids are older. People do this all the time or whatever. I mean, this is your life and you get to live it the way you believe is best for you. This is just just simply being an adult and taking responsibility for your life. I just, what I really want you to understand and, you know, take to the bank with you is that knowing all of the hows of your, of how you're going to get something done in advance is never, ever going to happen. I don't know anyone who has walked through divorce knowing how they were going to get to the other side. They've just decided that's what they want and they figure it out along the way. They just take that first step and then the next step and then the next step. And a few years down the road, because sometimes it can take a few years, they find themselves divorced. Now, the Flying Free program is going to help you with that mindset and healing and support, whether you decide to get divorced or not. You can learn more and apply for that program at joinflyingfree.com. And if you're listening and you're already divorced and you're wishing that you knew how to rebuild your life, in the areas of your faith, your relationships, your emotional and mental and physical health, your finances, and more, then consider learning about and applying to get into the Flying Higher program at joinflyinghigher.com. Is this content resonating with you? I've written a book for women of faith in destructive relationships called Is It Me? Making Sense of Your Confusing Marriage, A Christian Woman's Guide to Hidden Emotional and Spiritual Abuse. You can read reviews and find out more about my book on Amazon.com. It comes in paperback, Kindle, and Audible formats. I've also created a companion workbook for Is It Me, also available on Amazon. 
This workbook is like 11 power-packed therapy sessions to help you process through the important material you'll be learning from my book. These books are recommended by counselors and therapists all over the United States. I've also got a website specifically focused on helping women of faith find hope and healing. It's called flyingfreenow.com. I'll even give you the first chapter of my book and the first chapter of the companion workbook for free when you hop on my mailing list at the top of my website. Those two resources are gonna help you figure out if your relationship is normal or destructive. And now, let's get back to our episode. Okay, let's listen to our next question. Hi, Natalie. So my question is, how do you deal with your own emotions when you separate from your husband and you're thinking to start a divorce? Um, I say this because I, I have taken the decision to start a divorce. My husband, of course, he doesn't know anything. Right now I'm at my parents' house in a different country where I am from. So he has no idea that I'm going to ask for this. And while I'm here, um, I'm in the process right now of, of writing everything down that he has done to me or said to me so I can create a, a history of the facts and, and give it to the lawyer. And while I'm doing this, it is taking all my energy and, and I end the day weak, tired, in tears and with a lot of anger. And also it is manifesting physically. I have uh, colon spasm and migraines. And I know it's something that I have to do, but I don't know how to deal with this. Let's start by talking about what emotions actually are from a scientific standpoint. Emotions are just vibrations in our body caused by thoughts in our brain. That's it. Now, emotions feel pretty big, especially emotions like anger and overwhelm and confusion or hate, sadness, fear, things like that. We often feel those big emotions and we think, we can sometimes think, oh my gosh, I can't survive this, this is going to kill me. But the fact is, human beings survive pretty horrific emotions all the time. When you realize that emotions are just vibrations in your body caused by your thoughts, a couple of insights occur. One insight is that vibrations in our body come and go. They're like waves on the sand. So they wash in, you know, a wave could wash in, like especially if you're at the ocean, it can wash in and knock you down with its force. But then the wave kind of flows away and you get to stand back up again. Now, if you can draw attention to your awareness of this cycle, you're going to be able to allow those waves of emotions without feeling like they're going to kill or, or, or overwhelm you. Fighting the waves, also, this is the other thing you need to know about this, is if you fight the waves, you fight the emotions, it's going to only make the pain of those emotions intensify. But if you allow the wave, that's a, a much less intense option. Now, when I was going through my divorce, I would sometimes think that I couldn't handle all of it. And when I had that thought, 
I can't do this. I've got nine kids. I've got a church that hates me. I've been abandoned by my family. I'm trying to run a business. I cannot do this as a single mom. I just can't. I would literally feel physical pain as I fought that emotional pain. I fought my circumstances. I fought my emotions. But when I would just sit in those emotions and allow them to wash over me, and I would think, okay, I guess this is what sadness feels like. I guess I'm just going to do sadness right now. Then I would feel sad. I would often just cry. And I'd feel better as the wave dissipated. Learning how to allow negative emotion is going to be a superpower for you. When you can allow negative emotion, you'll be able to take more risks and do more things that are going to bring some negative emotions with it. Usually we avoid taking risks and we avoid doing things because we're afraid of one thing. We're afraid of how it's going to make us feel. We as human beings are terrified of our emotions. All right, the second insight that you're going to have is that you're, you're going to realize that it's not actually the circumstances in your life that are causing these intense emotions, but it's rather your thoughts about those circumstances or what you're making those circumstances mean. And when you know, when you recognize that and lean into that, then you get to take your power back. Because we don't, you know, while we don't have control over other people and we don't have control over some of the things that happen to us, we do have control over our thoughts. Let me give you a good example. In our Flying Free group, one of the members shared in our private forum that she felt overwhelmingly sad because she was anticipating the one-year anniversary of separating from her husband. And she shared some of the thoughts that she was having about that anniversary that was coming up. And her thoughts were just what she was making it all mean, okay? She was making it mean that life was horrible, that her life was tragic, and that all was not right with the world. Now, that's an option. I mean, we can think, we can think that. Like, this is the one-year anniversary of my separation. Life is really horrible. I can't believe this is happening to me. You get to make your circumstances mean anything you want them to mean. Nobody has a right to judge you or um, say that you can't do that. But the thing is, is that when she talked about it in the forum, she wanted to feel better about that anniversary. That's what she wanted. So that opened up the door for us to then play with some other ideas of what she could make that anniversary mean instead of making it mean all these horrible things. So here are some of the ideas that we came up with. It could mean that you took care of yourself this past year. That one year ago, your past self did what needed to be done and that you're in a brand new place because of it. It could mean that you've got one of the worst years under your belt and things can only get better. Your one year anniversary coming up could mean that you are getting free and you're evolving and taking care of yourself and your kids in new, incredible and strong ways. Your one-year anniversary coming up could mean that you are one step closer to changing the world in some way. And any of those thoughts could, uh, would mean that her one-year anniversary was actually a time to celebrate, okay? So, but, and so she tried some of those thoughts on, and she shared later that when the day of her anniversary arrived, she actually felt pretty good about it. She didn't have to change what she was making it mean. She could have intentionally chosen to be sad on that day. 
I've done that. I've decided to be intentionally sad on the anniversary of my dad's passing. But do you see the difference between allowing your brain to be the boss of you and give you all these programmed thoughts that you don't intentionally choose, but that create all this negative emotion that you maybe don't even want versus intentionally choosing to be sad because that's what you want to do and because you're choosing to have thoughts that make you sad, Uh, maybe because you want to process things or whatever. I mean, on the one hand, your brain's programming is running your life. Your brain is the boss of you. And on the other hand, you are the boss of you. You are running your life. And also, when you practice thinking thoughts on purpose, that sense of inner control that you, that you have just feels so much better. And you realize just how much power you actually have. Again, not power to change your circumstances, but rather power to change your thoughts and emotions and how you show up in your life. And you need to know that sometimes when you do change your mindset, you, you can actually change your circumstances. That's not the goal, but sometimes circumstances do change when our mindset changes. Let me give you another example from another member of the Flying Free program. This woman kept thinking the thought, I'm so exhausted. And guess how her body felt most of the time? Exhausted. Remember, our brains and bodies are connected. When you have thoughts in your brain, your brain releases chemicals and neurotransmitters and hormones into your body. And then those things create those emotions, those vibrations in your body. I shared a brain trick with her that I used all the time when I was at home, single parenting. I still use it, actually. Um, when I was single parenting my nine kids for four years. And some of those kids have special needs. I was also running a business and going through a separation and a divorce. And I had zero support. I did not have the uh, the programs that I offer. Now, I use this trick, especially in the afternoon when I would tend to hit a wall emotionally and I just wanted to shut down. And I would say this to myself and I do this. I didn't do this back then, but I have learned to actually talk out loud to myself. And sometimes I'll even talk out loud to myself in the mirror. Like I'll look at myself and talk to myself and it really helps. It, it helps like it sounds crazy, but it actually helps your brain. Your brain actually Your brain doesn't understand that it's actually you talking to yourself. It just thinks that someone else is talking to you and it takes it in. It's and it believes stuff more, has a greater chance of believing stuff when you're talking to yourself, looking at yourself in the eye. Again, just brain science, just a brain trick. So I'd say to myself, um, I've got enough energy to get through this next hour. I'm the woman who shows up, always have been, always will be. That's who I am. That's my identity. I'm not a giver upper. I've got just enough of what it takes to make it to dinner. I've got this. And a pep talk like that would keep me from feeling exhausted. Now, that doesn't mean that I didn't feel tired, okay? It doesn't mean that I didn't wish I could have a break or look forward to going to bed that night. Of course not. But do you see the difference between feeling tired and showing up and feeling exhausted and completely shutting down? You guys, what's the upside to saying, I am totally exhausted? You can say it, but there's no upside to it. Not one good thing comes from saying that or allowing your brain to loop over and over again on that thought. But brains love that thought. It's such a go-to thought. My brain goes there all the time. But you can actually train your brain to then kick in another thought. So when you get that thought, I'm so exhausted, your brain is used to going, yes, but I may be exhausted, but that's okay. 
I can do this for one more hour. I guess I'm just going to do exhausted right now, okay? I've got this. And then just see if that doesn't help your body feel more able to show up for your life instead of shutting down. Now, of course, there may be physical reasons for exhaustion or weakness or illness that requires a doctor, maybe some tests, maybe some medication, or other types of physical intervention or solutions. But I want you to remember that because our bodies are connected to our brains, which is really the biggest gland in our body, the brain literally lives in our body, not just in our head. So mindset can have a huge impact on our physical health. You see this in cancer patients or people going in for surgeries. Studies have shown that people who have a hopeful mindset or a determined mindset have better outcomes, generally speaking, than those who have given up hope. You see this when spouses have been married for decades and one of them dies. Often the other spouse, I shouldn't say often, but sometimes the other spouse will die within a few months. Uh, They die of literally of a broken heart. If you are struggling with anger and fear and sadness, I want you to begin to become aware of the programmed thoughts that your brain is just looping on, on a daily basis. Start to grab those thoughts and write them down on a piece of paper. You can get so many insights into your feelings or your emotions by simply looking at your thoughts. If you are regularly thinking thoughts like, I am all alone my life is over. I have no hope. Your body is going to feel despair and it'll shut down. You're going to miss opportunities to grow and develop because you're going to be going into yourself in this misguided effort to stay safe. If you're regularly thinking, I am so stuck. I have to do what my church and husband say, or they're going to get angry, or I'm not going to please God or blah, 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 blah. You might feel angry and frustrated. And that's going to cause you to experience a lot of tension in your body that's going to increase things like tension headaches or gut issues as you, you know, clench your way through life. Before my divorce, I was sick all the time. I was sick through my whole first marriage. And I thought it was because I was a sickly person or that I had so many kids and that was why I was sick all the time. But interestingly enough, once I got out, once I separated, we were separated for four years before I got remarried, separate before we got divorced, and then I got remarried, I rarely experienced being sick. And since I've been married to Tom, it's almost been four years, I've only been sick once. I contracted the respiratory flu, but that was shortly after my dad passed away, and I lost my family of origin right around the same time. So again, my immune system was totally out of balance, and my body became susceptible to illness. Now, let me be really clear here. I'm not saying that if you are sick, it's in your head. I don't believe that at all. I'm like, this girl ain't going to gaslight nobody. If you are sick, it's definitely in your body. But remember that your brain is in your body as well. And God created us with the capability to minimize deep impact if we can gain control of our thoughts and renew them in the truth and find some hope and peace as we lean into truth. Even if you can't find complete healing, and by the way, very few people are going to go through life unscathed by illness, and eventually, obviously, death is going to claim all of us, okay? But even if you can't find complete healing, you can find some relief by doing some of this work on your brain and working with your doctor, of course, to create best possible chances for healing and wholeness. I've seen lots, I've heard testimonies, so many testimonies of women who have said, that some of the things that they, chronic illnesses that they experienced 
pre-divorce were alleviated in tremendous ways post-divorce and after they began to go through that healing process. Now, for the woman who asked this question, I would recommend if you're not already in the Flying Free program, join Flying Free. One of the resources that you're going to gain access to is weekly coaching, which I do live with all of our members. I coach women on these exact issues and ones just like them. And you can get access to our private podcast where you can listen to all of the coaching replays on your phone. Um, changing the way that you think is going to change your life. I guarantee it. So if this is something you want help with, I encourage you to apply to the program. We require an application process now to get in and you can learn more about the program and apply at joinflyingfree.com. You guys, thank you so much for listening. And if you feel inspired to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, I'm telling you, my production team and I would be so grateful. Until next time, fly free.